You are listening to a Blazing Caribou Studios production. Support and subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash blazing caribou studios. Wesley, what about the RUSs? Rodents of unusual size? I don't think they exist. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the Varmints Podcast, where every week we do a whole bunch of research to educate ourselves and you, the listener, on all things that creep, crawl, slither, fly, jump, hop, and swim on this planet, one animal at a time. My name's Paul. I'm not an animal expert. I'm Donna, and I'm also not an animal expert, and today we're talking about weird rodents. Weird rodents, because we couldn't. We got a, a we got a, some suggestions for a couple of them on the list, and they're just not enough on any single one to make a whole show. So we're gonna talk about a bunch of them. Right, but first, a brand new segment. Oh boy. We has the dumb. We cannot brain. Ugh. So like we say at the top of the show, we are not animal experts, and sometimes we make mistakes, we get stuff totally backward and wrong, or we just fail to notice something important that we should have mentioned. So this is our new segment. We has the dumb, we cannot brain. We cannot brain. brain. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, just a few little corrections and clarifications. Yep. So number one, uh, regarding algae and the fish shanks, just want to be really, really careful to make sure that you guys know. We did argue it's a natural thing you shouldn't worry too much about, which is true, but don't go overboard. Too much algae can be an indicator of poor water quality, guys. So experience is kind of the only really real way to gauge like how much is too much. It depends on your tank size, type of algae, how much sunlight it's exposed to. Um, and of course, as we said, water quality. So don't take that as permission to just ignore your tank, use your testing kits, and make sure your water quality is good and learn how to manage your tank. But uh, that all we were saying is that uh, al- algae is, people react to algae in a weird way because the fish don't care about it and they'll just eat it. That's true, but too much is not a good thing, like most things in life. All right, number two. Uh, in the Komodo Dragons episode, I told you that Sharon Stone's ex-husband, Phil Bronstein, took his shoes and socks off in a Komodo Dragon exhibit at a zoo to take pictures, and I called him a big dum-dum. The fact is that he was told to take his socks off by the zookeepers. They were worried that his white socks would look way too much like the white rabbits that they were feeding the Komodo Dragons. Uh-huh. So he listened to the zookeepers, and he took his shoes and socks off, and it turns out that it really didn't matter. Uh, Mr. Bronstein and his entire foot made a full recovery. He did not lose any of his foot. Uh, His marriage did not make a full recovery, however. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Well, there you go. So number three, uh, I misspoke (laughs) on the Aardvarks episode. We had a lot of little kablooies on the Aardvarks episode. Yeah, oops. Um, Oops. Triple oops. I misspoke when I said about possible mammal bias. I meant, I meant, I said family. I meant class. You remember taxonomy from school? Fing, King Philip came over for good soup, right? Kingdom, phylum, class, order, family, genus, species, right? Yeah, I do remember that. For animals. For plants, uh, the P is replaced by a D, 
because it's division in botany. But uh, yeah, so aardvarks are in the kingdom Animalia, Phylum Chordata, Class Mammalia, Order Tubulindentata, like uh, Paul said. They are, their genus is Oricopter and species OA for, I don't know. Yeah, look it up on the internet and you'll see. Anyway, we should, when we mean mammal bias, we should, we're talking about a class, not a family. I should have said class, not family. And I, and I knew that and I misspoke. So I hope that clears up any confusion, <laughs> although it probably created more. Please forgive Donna. Just don't forgive Don't hit unsubscribe, please. <laughs> forgive me, I misspoke. You didn't misspeak as bad, as bad as I did, I don't think. I think I, I misspoke a little bit worse because I said that aardvarks were not a keystone species. And in fact, they totally are a keystone species. There's a lot of mammals and insects that use those abandoned aardvark burrows for protection and shelter from the sun and, and protection from predators. And they also use them to bring up their young. And there's another reason that aardvarks are important to their habitat. And it's because there's a plant known as the aardvark cucumber. That fruit grows underground, and it's a treat for any aardvark. They love it. That's why they call it the aardvark cucumber. But because it's underground, it's very hard to spread the seeds. So they rely on the aardvarks to dig up that plant, eat it, and spread the seeds in their poop. Ah. So they're, aardvarks are a super-duper important part of the, uh, the place where they live. Ah. Okay, so in our last mistake, also aardvarks, I couldn't find any info on a quick search about African tribes eating aardvarks, and it turns out there are lots of tribes that do hunt and eat them all the time. So this is listed as one of the challenges of maintaining them as a non-threatened species. So yes, they do eat them. Absolutely. And that just means that you need to do more than a five-second Google search when you're trying to answer a question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, I think that's all of them. That's all for now. For now. I, I guarantee we will make more mistakes in the future. <laughs> maybe even today. We're not animal experts. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> okay, so just a reminder, go to blazingcariboustudios.com for links to the audio and our show notes for today's episode. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at Varmints Podcasts, all one word, or at at Varmints Podcasts, all one word. Um, and at varmintspodcast at gmail.com for questions, comments, stories, suggestions. If you like the show, head on over to iTunes or Stitcher and leave us a nice little rating and review. Um, also, I'm starting a Pinterest board for us, so that'll be fun. Yay, Pinterest. I have yeah. no idea how Pinterest works. How to Pinterest is pretty easy, and we are going to have a board. And we want to share with your boards. We want to follow your boards. So um, go there and check it out. It'll be pinterest.com slash varmintspodcast. So... All, all that's there right now is a tiny little board about aardvarks, but there there will be more later. After today, awesome. there'll be a lot more. So, great. Yeah, let's uh, let's talk about some weird rodents. The kingdom of animals is fascinating. Now I'm going to tell you about their behaviors and living patterns. So come on. What in God's holy name are you blathering about? We are blathering about weird rodents today. Rodents, uh, the name rodent comes from the Latin rodeer, which means to gnaw. And well, they are that mammals. Makes sense. <laughs> yeah. They are mammals of the order Rodentia, which are characterized by a single pair of continuously growing razor sharp incisors in each of the upper and lower jaws. About 40% of all mammal species on the planet are rodents. 
They are found in vast numbers on all continents except Antarctica, and chances are where you live you have more than one rodent. They are the most diversified mammalian order, and they live in a variety of terrestrial habitats, including human-made environments. Now, we've talked about a lot of rodents on this podcast already. We've recovered rats, which is one of our favorite episodes. We talked about squirrels, prairie dogs, uh, of course, beavers. We did a really good episode on. This episode is going to be a little bit different, and it's going to be weird because we originally were going to do capybaras. People left, right, and center were requesting us to do capybaras. And in the middle of the week, I sent Donna a message, and I said, there is just not a whole lot on capybaras, so why don't we just do... And we both decided that we should just pick out a few maybe kind of weird, bizarre, off-the-beaten-path rodents and, and talk about those for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be yeah. it's gonna be great. There just wasn't enough, like we said in the beginning of the show, uh, there's just not, an epi- there's not enough on any single one of them to do a whole entire episode. So. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, although they are very weird. Yeah, and it looks like we picked out four four different ones to talk about today. All right, so the first weird rodent we're going to talk about today is a little guy called the long-eared jerboa. The long-eared jerboa. The long-eared yeah. jerboa is, in most cases, a nocturnal mouse-like rodent. He has a long tail and long hind legs for jumping, and especially large ears. It is distinctly the only member of its genus, which is Eucarutes, or however it's pronounced, and a subfamily Eucarutes. I don't know. I don't know how to pronounce that. <laughs> you nailed it. Eucorunitae. There you go. There you go. Uh, long-eared jerboas are found in southernmost Mongolia and to the Takala Makan Desert, Mengzin, Erjin Mountain, and Qingzhang Plateau regions in northwestern China. Sorry for my absolute murdering of those pronunciations. <laughs> so they basically look like a little mouse with absurdly large ears, like a living cartoon, and they have kangaroo legs, super long tail, and they're freaking adorable. Oh my god, they're so cute. They're a real-life Pikachu. They are! They're so cute! Oh, my God. They're so cute. There's a picture of one right in front of me, and it's a real-life Pikachu. We will put a picture of that in the show notes. It's crazy. I'll put some some, uh, stuff about all these guys in the show notes. So, yeah, they are crazy adorable. Oh, my God. (laughs) Uh, The capybara is the largest rodent in the world and probably one of our most requested animals They are native to South America. In some parts of the United States, you can have a capybara as a pet, and as a result, there have been some capybaras that have escaped, some that were released by owners who couldn't or wouldn't take care of them, unfortunately. Uh, So there have been capybara sightings in California, and there is a growing concern that there is a breeding population of them right here in Florida. Uh People see them all the time. Yeah. They get big. Adult capybaras grow to between 106 and 134 centimeters, or about three and a half to about four and a half feet in length. They stand 50 to 62 centimeters, or about 20 to 24 inches tall at the withers. The withers in an animal is not the top of its head. It's a ridge right between their shoulder blades is what's called the withers. Mm -hmm. And they typically weigh between 35 to 66 kilograms or between 77 to 146 pounds, although they have found some capybaras that weigh up to 180 pounds, which is crazy. Uh, They are a semi-aquatic rodent, perhaps spending even more time in the water than the beaver does. 
They have eyes, nostrils, and ears that are way high up on their head. They have webbed feet, and they are the only rodent that will reproduce in the water. They do not reproduce on land. Hmm. Yes, it's amazing. The water is extremely important to them. They need it for food. They need it to hide from predators, of which they have many, including people, and uh, for reproduction. Hmm. I can't imagine having one for a pet, though, because wouldn't you just have to have a pool in the backyard, like a little, like a mud wallow or something, <laughs> like a little a river in your backyard? You would have to be close to a body of water that did not have alligators in it, or maybe even, I don't know how they do with swimming pools. You'd have to be willing to have a 150-pound animal in your home, which is a, that's a big animal. Yeah, well, that's, <laughs> just go adopt a really, really big dog, you know, from <laughs> yeah. a shelter, because there's plenty available. If you want a real big dog, you can find one. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like Florida doesn't need another invasive species. I don't know about you, how you feel living there. We, but... we don't. We have enough already. <laughs> we really do. <laughs> We have so many. We could do we could do a whole episode on Florida invasive species. <laughs> yep. There you go. So, oh, here's this other guy. He's pretty cute. The Indian giant squirrel. The Indian giant squirrel has a high contrast two tones and sometimes three tones color scheme, usually consisting of creamy beiges, buffs, tans, rusts, and browns. Um, but the underparts and front legs are cream colored. The head can be brown or beige. However, it, it has a white spot between the ears, distinctive white spot between the ears. Adult head and body length varies from around 14 inches or 36 centimeters, and the tail length is approximately two feet. Jeez. <laughs> like, wow. it's, it's more than half a meter. Their adult weight is two kilograms or 4.41 pounds. So that is a big old squirrel. <laughs> a four pound squirrel? Oh my gosh. <laughs> so they're really distinctive looking with not only that super duper long tail. I mean, two feet. Come on. That is crazy. But also they have these strange little flat rectangular-ish ears. They kind of look like a cartoon animal, but they're really, really real. And uh, so the inner, the Indian giant squirrel lives in the upper canopy of the mixed deciduous and evergreen forests in peninsular India, and it rarely leaves the trees. Um, it travels from tree to tree with jumps of up to six meters or 20 feet. 20 feet. That's a long wow. way. Wow. Yeah. When it senses danger, this crazy looking squirrel often freezes or flattens itself against the tree trunk instead of fleeing. That's crazy. So the predators must be able to, to go just as far. Its main predators are the birds of prey in the area and the leopard. They are typically mm -hmm. solitary animals that only come together for breeding, and they're believed to play a substantial role in shaping the ecosystem there by engaging in seed dispersal, a.k.a. pooping everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Another animal where you see the picture of it and you go, how is that a real animal? Yeah. They're great. They're so cute. <laughs> <laughs> but they're big. Oh, my gosh. That's like a huge Four squirrel. pounds? That's a yeah. big squirrel. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> One of the weirdest rodents of all has got to be the naked mole rat. Yeah. The naked mole rat is native to East Africa. Typically, adult naked mole rats are between three and four inches long, or about eight to ten centimeters, and they weigh between an, eh, a little over an ounce 
30 to 35 grams. Naked mole rats have a highly unusual set of physical traits that enable them to thrive in a really, really harsh, dark underground environment. Their vision is really bad. They're nearly blind, they have tiny eyeballs, and they pretty much have to rely on all their other senses to find tubers, which comprise most of their diet. Tubers are, are, are big old worms. They have almost no fur, hence the name, and they are kind of creepy looking. They, have, they do have some wispy hairs that kind of aid them with navigation and spatial things, but basically they're bald. They kind of look like a kind of look like a bratwurst with teeth, I guess is the nicest way to put it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they are freaks of nature. They get by just fine in very, very low oxygen environments. They do not feel pain. Their skin lacks a neurotransmitter called substance P. And because of some physiological and genetic ad- adaptations, they're highly resistant to cancer. And even though they do have natural predators, sometimes snakes will eat them. They are the longest, li- one of the longest lived mammals on Earth. They live to be about 30 years old. Wow. They are also the only mammal that is eusocial. Do you know what that means? I do. Why don't you explain? Honeybees are eusocial. Honeybees have a queen. They have a few bees that will mate with the queen. We're going to do an episode on honeybees, too. That's going to be fun. And then they have just a whole bunch of worker honeybees. And naked mole rats work in the exact same way. They have a queen naked mole rat who gets to be in weight about twice the size of an average adult naked mole rat. Uh, So there's the queen. There are two or three males whose job it is to mate with the queen and make a whole bunch of new little naked mole rats. And then there are several several hundred worker naked mole rats as well. The only mammal that does that. Yeah, so they're the only mammal that lives in a hive sort of situation. Yes. Which is what you social critters do. So that's fun. (laughs) Those guys are crazy. (laughs) They're nuts. (laughs) Well, I think lastly, we'll just talk, we'll mention the uh, the Patagonian Mara, or also called the Patagonian Cavi. I think these are the um, real life R R O U S S rodents of unusual size. They're not as big as the capybara, but they are pretty gosh darn big. They resemble a jackrabbit. Um, they, have, they have long ears and long limbs. Their feet are compressed, making them hoof like. Which is very strange. <laughs> the four feet have four digits, and the back have three. They have a little bitty tail, and so they're just really interesting. I'll put pictures of them on the, the on the website and stuff. But they're found in Argentina. They kind of look like a little combination between a little tiny deer and a rabbit. Yes. They're only found in Argentina, and they prefer habitats with a ton of shrub cover. Argentina. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, yep. They uh, they're socially monogamous with communal breeding. So they they uh, but it's interesting because it sounds like they're sort of monogamous in a different way. Like uh, they don't have like a con- like a loving relationship of like oh we're in love. What happens is a male picks a female and then he like protects her just vigilantly from all the other males for the rest of her life. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So, but they come together in groups to raise their babies, which is kind of funny. Um, hmm. Yeah. So they will share warrens with up to like 29 pairs. So it's interesting. So they're, they're, they are introverts together. <laughs> <laughs> Neat. 
<laughs> so they're pretty crazy and people have them as um, pets here. They're one of the more common, uncommon pets, I, I suppose. All right. So the pets page I saw them on said that they're very easy keepers. They're primarily diurnal. Um, many other exotic pets, such as sugar gliders and hedgehogs, are nocturnal, which make it harder to fully enjoy them. But maras bond to their humans if you bottle raise them, and they seek out affection. And uh, so the site says they aren't animal Einsteins, but they aren't dumb. <laughs> they can be taught tricks and are food treat motivated. A lot of animals are food and treat motivated. Um, Yes. So they, it's a, she says it can come as a surprise to many people that bottle-raised maras do not tend to be flighty and timid. They handle new sights, sounds, and situations in stride and are not easily startled. So basically they can eat, you know, rabbit food and hay and stuff like that. So, yeah, if you want one, totally look into it and make sure it's legal in your state and make sure you get all the information you need and... You definitely don't want to take an exotic animal of any kind on if you don't commit to it for life. You you want to commit to all your animals for life, but I'm just saying if something really does go drastically wrong and you can't keep the Mara anymore, it's very difficult to get them rehomed. So these places that, that raise them for pets, they usually have you sign contracts and stuff that say that you'll return them to their, to their original home if you can't take care of them because they don't want homeless pets. Patagonian Maras running around. <laughs> yeah, do then, your homework. Yeah, exactly. So I'll put some information in the show notes about them. But yes, basically like all animals, if you want them for pets, you need to do your homework. And it sounds like these guys might be one of the little, little stinkier pets to have. So that's another <laughs> thing to think about. So. All right. Yeah. They're really cute, though. They are cute. All right, it's disclaimer time. The Varmints Podcast knows it's not fair to compare animal intelligence to human intelligence, and we're talking about rodents in general, but then we only really have the yardstick of ourselves to go by, so we're going to do it anyway. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. So, I, you know, you can't, you can't paint all rodents with the same brush. Mm-mm. They kind of vary. I think probably naked mole rats are more drone-like and probably lower on the intelligence scale, whereas prairie dogs, if you haven't listened to the prairie dogs episode, go go have a listen to that, are, are I think they are quite intelligent. So, yeah, anywhere between two and, well, I don't remember what we gave prairie dogs, like an eight. They were pretty Seven smart. Seven or eight, yeah. Seven or eight. Yeah. It, it varies, depending on the rodent. Yeah. Well, considering that our scale is entirely subjective. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it really doesn't matter. But yeah, they're kind of everywhere. I would think that the itty-bitty guys are probably, like the long-eared Joboa, he's pretty small. Um, I, don't, I don't know if they have a lot of reason to develop super smart behaviors. I mean, it seems like mostly what they need to do is just find food and hide from predators. And so. Yep. And make little copies of themselves. Yep. And when you don't have a lot of pressure to do other things, there's not a lot of reason to develop new tools, right? So, yeah, I think they're probably they're probably all just really good at being little rodents. And, yeah. <laughs> That's so, it. I don't know. Let's give them all an average of five just because... <laughs> <laughs> I'll put him right in the middle. <laughs> All right. We are going to talk about some more weird rodents in pop culture and in other places, but we're going to do that right after this commercial. Transmission commencing. This is Wookiee Radio. Translated for the Wookiee America. 
I like that Wookiee. Your hosts, Ken, Derek, and Mike, bring you the latest news and commentary from the far reaches of the galaxy. Uh, hold it. Hold it. I said hold it. Subscribe today on iTunes and Stitcher. I just assumed it's a Wookiee. Start listening today, and remember... The Force will be with you, always. And now for something completely different. Hey, me and Donna, we're just a couple of nerds like you, and we don't see animals up close and in person very often, not as often as we'd like. So let's talk a little bit about where we see them most of the time on movies, TV, and video games. And I am going to start with the Disney cartoon Kim Possible. Rufus was a pet of Ron Stoppable, which was Kim Possible's sidekick. Uh, He is a naked mole rat. He goes (laughs) on nearly all the missions, and because of his small size, he often proves very useful. Uh, The origin of Rufus, the naked mole rat, began long before Ron had even purchased him. At the age of four years old, Ron had an imaginary friend named Rufus, who was, by Ron's description, huge. Uh, Because of allergies, Ron's father would not allow him to have a pet with hair, so around the sixth grade, he bought Rufus from a Smarty Mart. And when he was first purchased, Rufus's appearance resembled that of an actual naked mole rat, being like wrinkled and eyes barely open and visible. As time went on in the cartoon, for the sake of Rufus as a character, the show had to ignore the reality of literal naked mole rats, which are nearly completely blind. As we talked about, they, they're really dependent on colony environments and specific temperatures, and they can't really survive individually as pets. Rufus wound up being more of a bald ferret than an actual naked mole rat. And this kind of really disappointed fans who, after they saw this cartoon, they wanted to have a pet naked mole rat, as kids do. And then they found out that they're just unable to be pets, and in real life they actually look and act very, very little like Rufus did on that cartoon. Mm-hmm. Here is the Rufus the Naked Mole Rat rap song from the show. Yo, listen up, have a holla from Ron. Naked Mole Rap is the name of the song. Here's a story in all its glory. Ain't hiding nothing, you'll know what the truth is. Haran met Rufus. Never heard a cat fart, never heard a puppy purr. My dad's allergic to every kind of fur. So I search for hairless pets on the internet. Saw JP. Of a pink thing, gonna need sunscreen. What is that? <laughs> that freaky thing. Come on, y'all, let the girlie sing. Uh huh. What is that? That freaky thing. Hey, wait, I can't hear the girl sing. I heard Smarty Mark was having a sale on a hairless pink rodent with a long skinny tail. The perfect pet for my dad's sensitive constitution So the manager came to open the cage He said, you know this pet's hairless I said I couldn't care less, handed him to me Said, be careful, don't drop it And do you want this cage? No, I'll keep him in my pocket (laughs) What is that? That freaky thing Come on, y'all, let the girl sing So not too accurate biologically, but a lot of fun This is a cartoon that my kids grew up on Big part of their childhood, and you should be able to still find it somewhere on DVD or, or, or Blu-ray. And Kim Stoppable, good show. Kim Possible. Kim, why do I keep wanting to call it Kim Stoppable? Kim Possible. Ron Stoppable is the guy with the naked mole rat. <laughs> good show. Did you see that uh, the quote that Rufus had about cheese? 
That was one of his little catchphrases. Cheese! Cheese! He loved cheese. Yeah. There, uh, unfortunately, with all of these guys, there's a little bit of a pop culture desert. Just not a whole lot going on with these guys. There's no pop culture capybaras that we could find. You know, just... All right. I like to eat. I like to eat too. Uh, some of these rodents, like capybaras, capybara is supposed to be a delicacy over, like, in South America, and I would mm. certainly try it. I'd try it. Why not? Sure. Wow, capybaras in the food box? Maybe. Yeah. Wow. I can't believe it. Mm. We're talking about an animal that you would be, like, fairly open to eating. I think this is sort of a breakthrough. I think this is great. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Are they endangered? <laughs> no, not at all. Okay. They are of least concern. They are everywhere down there. Yeah. Their range know. is pretty small. Like, like relatively speaking, they are not entirely South America, but probably 80% of South America has capybaras. Um, but it, there's a ton of them. I just, I hesitate to add more animals to the food box because I feel like we, ha- we kind of have enough animals in the food box. <laughs> just, there's no reason to put more of them in there. Like, mostly more animals should just be left alone. But, uh, you know, native tribes down there eat capybaras, and, I mean, they're definitely an animal that the people... I would not like to see them um, made into livestock. I hope they aren't. As far as I know, they don't farm capybaras for consumption. Right. Right. They just hunt them and, and eat them. And they're yeah. supposed to taste like a, a cross between pork and fish, which probably realistically they just taste like capybara. Mm-hmm. Probably. So my idea about all these things is if it's a critter you can hunt sustainably, then it can be on your table. Um, but I wouldn't want to add more livestock animals. So. Right. Yeah. Donna. Yeah. Is your brain a deep chasm of useless information like mine is? Not today, no. <laughs> Clearly <laughs> wasn't on the Ad- Aardvarks episode either. Like, oh, I just, brother. My brain completely went to zero state, apparently. So. <laughs> well, let's attempt to help people win that next trivia night or just sound smarter than the rest of the room with the animal fact of the week. Is this your homework, Larry? Look, man. Do, it- please. Okay, so we only have one animal fact of the week this week. So what is it, Donna? Lay it on me. It is the, the first known footage of the long-eared jerboa. What year do you suppose that was taken in? That's a good question. The long-eared jerboa? Mm-hmm. The little Pikachu. Probably. If I was to guess, I would say maybe in the 80s, 70s or 80s? Nope, 2007. What? Yeah. Wow. The first known video footage of this animal was taken in 2007. No way, dude. Yeah, way, dude. That's a long time to to figure out how to videotape a little animal. Did they know it existed before then? They did. And in fact, he has a coin in Mongolia. There's a coin with the long-haired jerboa on it. But uh, this was the first time that anybody had gotten him on video. I suspect that it might just be the first time that anybody ever said, hey, we should get a video of these guys. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Like, maybe just nobody cared. I mean, we were talking about how, what did you say, 40% of the mammals in the world are rodents? Yes, 40%. So, A, it's not surprising that 
maybe somebody just hadn't taken a video because there's so many rodents. <laughs> <Like> <laughs> we need a video of a new rodent. Go find one. I mean, I, there's there's got to be just lots that that we have that nobody's even touched on. Mm -hmm. um, first of all. So, and then second of all, like we do a lot of rodents on our show, but we kind of can't help it. There's just a lot of rodents. There's a ton of them. So. <laughs> right. 40% of mammals in the world are rodents and we're supposed to somehow not do a rodent show every third one or something. <laughs> right. That's not possible. <laughs> and there's, there's rodents that we haven't covered on this show or previous shows that we're, they're, they're going to get their own show, like chipmunks. I think mm -hmm. we added porcupines to the list. Mice. Mice, yeah, definitely mm -hmm. mice are on the list. So we're, yeah. yeah, we still have rodents to talk about even after this show. Yeah, we just kind of decided to put these guys in a big old pile because there wasn't enough to do a single one about yep. any of them. So bunch yeah. of weirdos. Weirdos. <laughs> They're cute little weirdos though, except for the naked mole rat guy. But yeah. They're awesome. Yeah. They're neat. Well, thank you so much, everybody, for listening. This has been another Varmints podcast that has been brought to you with technical support by Matthew Chomo and music, as always, by Kevin McLeod and by you, the Patreon supporter. Thank you so much for kicking in a little money every month to make sure we can pay for bandwidth and keep bringing you this podcast. We do appreciate it. You're probably saying to yourself, man, that was kind of a weird episode. And it's going to get even weirder because Riley is going to tell us about not rodents, but just some random animals where he lives, which happens to be New Zealand. So here's Riley. What's your name? My name's Riley. I live in the north, the bottom of the North Island, and my and I'm nearly six to 18th of the August. And what kind of animals do we have in New Zealand? Dogs and cats and fat donkeys. What else? <laughs> what else do we have? Um, some kelps that don't fart or poo. Don't they? No. Oh, what else do we have? Some, lots of animals in the whole world. In the whole world? <laughs> in Australia, I think. Oh, what do we have that's your favourite? I know that. We live in New Zealand, some lots of people. What's your favourite animal in New Zealand? Um, cat, four cats and one dog, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Riley. That's some freeform animal jazz for Riley. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry boy. I couldn't help but say that because you said it earlier. So <laughs> Thanks everybody again for listening and until next time. <laughs> Be nice to animals. You've been listening to a Blazing Caribou Studios production. Support and subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash blazing caribou studios. He was supposed to talk about capybaras and he just kind of, he just, he did some free form animal jazz on me. He went all John Coltrane with his New Zealand animals up in this piece. Here we go. I can't wait.